Welcome to Chromacast. I'm Jeff DeVoe, and I'm here with Jeff Tovar. Um, we have today Markman and Travarsi, who go by the name of Forward. Hi, how are you guys? What's happening? Hey, how are you? Really, really excited to have you guys on. You guys are a, 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 a flower in the desert of electronic music, I would say, because there's, <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of people doing proper improvised fully live electronic music. And so it's a real blessing to have you guys here. Thank you very much. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, for, yeah. thanks for coming so early. Yeah. Sunday morning. You know. Yeah. We're all stretching and yawning here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so what I'd like to talk about first is kind of like your history, where you guys came in. Um, can you guys first tell me, I guess individually, like how you guys got interested in electronic music? Alright, uh, so um, actually my, mine's funny and sort of weird and serendipitous, so my old partners, um, I was from a crew that was an early drum and bass crew in Los Angeles called Pressure Crew and we threw a group of parties called Recognition. Mm. Um, these were like childhood friends and uh, they were all hip-hop DJs and I loved hip-hop but when I started wanting to buy records initially it was house. I used to listen to Move on KXLU, I think it was. Mm -hmm. This was Jason Bentley's old show before he moved yep. to KCRW. Correct, yeah. With Michael Cook, the British DJ. Very cool. And um, then a retail job I had in high school, we used to get tapes before they had like the full on like digital, they hadn't invented digital radio yet for retail. So we would get tapes and I didn't realize this, but the tapes were from New York and they were Markham X and they were underground house tapes. So I would train spot everything that he'd play that I liked because he kind of played like cool, soulful house with some vocals, which I didn't know where to find it despite there being stuff on the radio. Mm -hmm. So that was my starting point. So when I started playing music with my friends that played, drum that played hip hop, they would literally go to lunch because they didn't want to hear house and I'd have to practice while they were out eating and then when they'd come back we'd go back and play hip-hop and I'd learn to scratch and all that stuff oh, and then years later when we all sort of you know evolved and started playing similar styles that were influenced by the other stuff dance hall and hip-hop and everything else in drum and bass it worked out but initially it was tough I didn't know anybody else that liked house music <laughs> so it was kind of difficult even though I knew there was an audience because I saw like the New York hip-hop heads were starting to get into it like Jungle Brothers and stuff right so it was so it was very sort of serendipitous and when I started going out to parties in I don't know 88 89 my friends from high school who I wasn't I kind they were like acquaintances. Mm -hmm. I'd run into them at parties like who are, how is it that we're in the same place? Yeah, and we came from the exact opposite sides of the spectrum. They were all like Europhiles. They were all into like British pop bands and then Manchester wow. so we met 
in the middle at raves yeah. where they came from the, the the British sort of like band thing but then got into like Happy Mondays and all that and yeah. I came from the New York hip hop thing got into it through Jungle Brothers and, the, and we all ended up in the same place so funny so yeah yeah super, super 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 fun so I feel fortunate to have been in LA during that amazing time where it was like we didn't call it house and techno it was just dance music yeah. we just went out to parties if you don't mind uh, dive deeper into the whole pressure crew for, for those yeah so yeah so for those who don't know um it's um it was a it was a fun time. Essentially, what happened was um, I have a group of friends who are really good DJs. Um, the founder, really the guy that was the, that was kind of the head of everything, is my friend uh, Deacon uh, Travis, who's a phenomenal DJ and a good dude. And his good friend growing up, um, Devis, who's Jerry, and then our, and then our MC, who was another childhood friend we used to skate with, is the, like the official official MC of Los Angeles, which is Camp Steve. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, we would literally yeah we literally hang out in a garage and and I was playing. Through the acid jazz, it was I started off playing playing house, but when I first started playing out, it was during the acid jazz days. Mm-hmm. So I'd play like my favorite, you know, I'd play like Sade records into like Diggable Planets records, and then sometimes we'd play stuff like you know um, Beanie Man records or whatever. We'd put dance hall would be one end of the sound, right. which is how we ended up at drum and bass, right? Yeah. I was playing dance hall, hip hop, R and B, all all the influence, all the stuff that influenced drum and bass. So I ended up growing from you know acid jazz and trip hop directly into drum and bass coming from the sort of that perspective my friends grew straight from they were heck no to techno guys when they started now they're not now they're not at all just 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 to be fair they were heck no to techno guys and then of course but they hadn't been to a party to be entirely honest with you because once they went to a party they were like okay now we get it yeah because you know it was just a different aesthetic and that's all it is a different aesthetic it's a different aesthetic well and also you have to understand we were we were these kids that went to warehouse like i i had a huge 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 chip on my shoulder against detroit techno back in those days because those guys were seriously negative about the British rave culture. They didn't like so, drug use. Yeah. They didn't like how cartoony the music, like they didn't like the whole suburban bass aesthetic. They mm-hmm. thought that whole thing was kind of corny and they also thought it didn't do a good job of like representing dance music. So for us, we loved that. We loved the whole Danny Breaks. We loved the whole Rob Playford thing. The thing that basically was the roots of Jungle before there was Jungle. We were already playing all those old Too Bad Mice and all those records. That was our. That was what we kind of cut our teeth on going to raves and stuff. Uh, so essentially what happened was I was already playing out. My friends were playing out, playing hip hop. We all kind of met in the same place, which we were kind of bored with what was happening with our respective styles. But we all had started to hear like those kind of poorly produced Jamaican like green sleeves, all that stuff that sounds like it was just not even mixed. Mm-hmm. But we were also all playing kind of early, early white labels of stuff. And we had different influences. You know, they were kind of coming in really from the hip hop and I was coming in from more of a dance hall direction. So like I was one of two guys in LA playing Congo Natty when we first started. Cause you know, people didn't understand that there was like a scene there. Mm-hmm. Plus that guy, the producer is not a big fan of white people. So that didn't help, <laughs> didn't help him spread the word outside of England. Yeah. But anyway, um, so it was really, it was, uh, but it was uh, it was an amazing time because essentially what it was was um, a new music. Not only was it new, but people didn't even understand how to dance to it. Like I went to this party and people were da- trying to dance at 165 BPM. They were freaking <laughs> out, so the dance floors would clear because they thought they were supposed to like. Yeah. So with our crew, because we were used to playing 85, 95 BPM, we would always float acapellas and stuff under it, yeah. and people would groove at like half time. Yeah. So we just thought everybody would figure it out. Yeah. And then when we went to a big party and watched them pogoing around and the, the MCs had to slow them down, yeah. 
it was really, but it was fascinating to watch people learn that quickly. Like right. you literally saw it spread through a crowd of, you know, 4,000, 5,000 people over that one night. That's pretty interesting. So it was a super fun time. And, you know, obviously we weren't the first, there's people like Raul who were there first, but it was amazing because it was a really, the people who were there are still there, right? The people like like Rob Machete and, and, and obviously Kempst and all these people, like the people who kind of were the architects of the scene and the culture are still there. And I think that's a testament to how it, it's a little bit like punk rock and that it's never going to be really commercial, yep. especially in this country. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be like the smaller sound system. Yes, right. yes. Like all the drum basses will be huge this year. Like, no, yeah. It was last year and the year before, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it's, but it's, sim- you know, it has that thing. Like it really, it got big and then it kind of went away as the raves, you know, in other things. And then you had a, someone like Pendulum come around and it gets really big for a minute because there's a commercial act and then it kind of goes away again. Yep. I mean, here in America, not across the pond, it's always big. But, um, but it was fun because it was the first time that we saw something where we could, we didn't have hardware, right? And no, we take for granted with computers, making music is so much cheaper now. Oh it's God. easier. And but back then you used to just save up money with your friends and buy turntables. Yeah. And you go down to a record store and buy records. But in terms of studio, I didn't know anybody with gear. Like four, we'd use four tracks to do stuff. That's it. And the if only you some per- drum machine. Yeah, the only person I knew with gear like when i moved to la was was ryan origin he had like the emu sampler and like oh, yeah. that was like you know the end all be all of drum and bass i was like yeah and I- technically ryan doesn't count because he got dropped off from the future anyway yeah that's so, true like, you're right <laughs> he's been trying to like reconcile living in the future he's just showing people yeah this is what it's gonna be like yeah he's like i made this with what you guys have in this time yeah yeah totally so <laughs> Respect to Ryan, though. Yeah, no, for sure. No, no, I, that, that's not at all a slight. It's actually, yeah. it actually explains. A lot. I, I'm like, wait, I think I just figured out why. Okay, yeah. When you understand that he is from the future, yeah, then completely. it's like, oh yeah, I get it. We're ca- we're running to catch up. That's what we're doing now. We're like, how do we get closer to Ryan's time? Yeah, that's that's what we're doing right sure. now. No, but like, but but even that, even he, like, I mean, to kind of close the loop. So he was the protege of my partner Travis of Deacon, yep. right? And it was interesting to watch because w- I was this generation when I first started going, and Deacon's kind of the end of that generation where he jumped into it. And then Ryan's kind of almost like that next generation of ravers and stuff. But he also was the evolution of a culture that honestly I got out of because it was very caustic and I didn't like the way people were treating each other, particularly the DJs and the producers, not so much the kids, although the kids are part of it. Kind of got caught up in the gangstery sort of West Coast stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I came back and saw people like like, uh, Ryan or like Jeff and it was a different vibe. It was kind of nice because I had written the whole thing off as being like, well, it was cool music, but I'm kind of done with it anyway. And as a culture, mm-hmm. it's kind of a bad vibe. And yeah. to come back and it was the opposite informed a lot of why dubstep got the chance that it got. Yeah, you know, it was because people were ready to like get along and help each other, you know, support each other, which was kind of nice. Yeah, I think if we didn't have that um, that foundation of the drum and bass kids for when dubstep came by, yeah. like there, it wouldn't have gotten as big as it did. Well, and, and to be fair, like as much as I love what modern drum and bass sounds like, I really do like it when you can retain some of the roots of a style. Like house can get as techy as it wants, but there'll always be some version of soulful house. Mm. Drum and bass really, really like at some points turned into kind of like speed metal. Yeah. And it was really about who could out tech the next person, which is a little bit like what some of the guitar gods would do with 12 minute solos. And yeah. it would just become technical. And music fans were like, we don't really, we can't dance to it. We can't sing it. Yeah. So it was neat when dubstep came around and it was like back to dub mm-hmm. and it was actually felt like Jamaican music, like just like yeah. drum and bass, no one ever, you know, no one ever acknowledges drum and bass as a completely stolen name from dub, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. not even like close. It's the name, right? <laughs> Literally, they're like, yeah, we're just gonna take that. Yeah. But 
But it was neat when dubstep came around because that feeling of like there was no pretension and it kind of let people in and it was the, the scene. fun times. Well, and not only that, I I was completely from the outside of it and I had nothing to do with it. Didn't play the music. Yeah. Uh, had nothing. I was just a fan, and I would go to something like Smog, and everybody was super nice. Yep. And it was like you don't have to do that, especially when you're the most evolved and successful party in this country. Yeah. You could you could be a jerk about it if you, I mean obviously that's not Drew's way of doing things. Sure. But you could, and it was kind of neat that as a culture it was much more open, and I think that maybe signals a lot of what we see in modern dance music, where it's it's a bit you see these young producers where they're like, let me show you how I did this. Mm-hmm. They're kind of they're kind of it's cool. It's a little bit like the Qbert thing, where he's like, let me show you how I did the scratch, yeah. as opposed to how we were, where I have like five years of records with label covers on them. Yeah. I honestly have no idea what they are anymore because <laughs> I was just trying to keep train spotters from biting all my. Because back yep. then it was like, we have nowhere to get records but these couple of places. Right. Now in hindsight, it's kind of like imagine how amazing it would have been if we would all just like sure. tried to struggle and help each other, but didn't work like that so to an to an extent too i still think drum and bass is a lot like that like um i buy both house techno and drum and bass and there will be it like there will be a tune that's like the hot tune in the drum and bass scene and that shit will get rinsed out for like eight months in the drum and bass scene but with house it's it's like you hear the hot tune and then you can buy it the next day on beatport Mm -hmm. like shit comes out immediately but drum and bass like they just hold on to it I've been waiting for this like random movement tune, the step tune that finally got released and it's been played for like eight months. I'm like finally got it. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's hard too because having a culture that was so built around dub plates and exclusivity yeah. and having there being an inside and outside. Mm-hmm. You're part of that and you get it. So all their friends all have it. Yeah. So they're not worried about you because everyone they need to have it has it. Yeah. And the rest of you guys, because here's the other thing too, the practical reality is we live in a world of modern dance music, every other style where you want to get it in as many hands as possible because it's like you want to sell it and you want to blow it up, but also because the shelf life of a song is so much shorter now. Right. They're from the opposite. Scarcity is what drives their business. So they're kind of like, why would I worry about you guys? Even though, also because to them, a successful record is like 5,000 pieces of vinyl. It's a completely different metric. That's why even even now, we talk about success with dance music and it's like success for things like underground house and techno is is so, this would be considered a failure by like a B-level rapper. Yeah. But for us, we're like, dude, 5,000 records is amazing. Cause it is, it's, it's, you know, we don't have promotion. We don't have the marketing budgets that these people have. We're not going to be on some McDonald's commercial. You know, it doesn't work like that for us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, so. Cool. Yeah, I always, uh, just like one more quick point on the, on that, um, and then we'll move on to Travarsi and her, her upbringing. Um, but I always thought it was funny that there was this like elitism in drum and bass because it was always a music for people who were on the outside anyway. So it was just always interesting to me that that existed because it was like creating another social uh, construct that people didn't like in the first place, like a lot of those people who got dragged into that music. I think I think the really complicated thing with drum and bass, and I think this it got particularly magnified because Brits didn't have their own music. Oh. Brit, all British music is borrowed from other countries. This was the first thing they had sort of created, right? Like they have their own version of hip hop that's never been nearly as, and the French have the same problem with hip hop, not with other music. They've kind of done like, they've done a pretty good. But uh, drum and bass was interesting because it was the first thing it was, it, but it's not, white British people. Yeah. So there's this weird, it's the same cultural struggle we have here in America, right? All the amazing American art forms started off African-American or from other countries. Mm-hmm. 
And you could argue, one way to argue it is they got appropriated. The other way to argue it is they got commercialized. I would argue half and half because without the commercialization, it stays underground and then eventually there's no economic force to drive it being successful. And it just becomes artisan, but not at all viable. Nice, very yeah. interesting. Um, so Travarsi, how did you get into electronic music? Uh, well, oh well. I, let's see. I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. So yeah. So I guess there there was a rave scene there. I know people don't really want to. Yeah. I, they Why think that it? didn't exact actually exist in the Midwest, but actually there was quite a big one because there weren't the clubs yeah. to you know go to unless you were they more I, like outdoor parties and oh yeah or how how was that scene? Well, you would get like a flyer and then there'd be like at least fifteen hundred kids in an abandoned barn out in the middle of a cornfield, nice. and it's just like DJs. You know, they would fly DJs in from New York or Chicago or wherever else they could get them to come out and play and. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the time, I worked at this record store um, on campus in the UW campus called Exclusive Company, and I started, you know, listening, like hearing some of the dance music that was coming in. It was house. Yeah. And um, sorry, what year was this? This was uh, like. 8990 8990 okay yeah give us a good, give us some reference right so like like maybe yeah, yeah like right around in there like we'll say like yeah 90 91 like i worked there for a few years and through that time like i started getting into like cashmere you know felix the house you know like all that chicago house and then i would um drive down to Chicago and start going out clubbing down there and then here here going to just so I could hear cashmere like in some little dirty like underground like place and then like you know I remember when the CD percolator came out I still own like a lot of the original CDs that I bought and received you know from being a buyer at that store during that time it's so cool like as you hear people like remix this tune I'm like I have the original CD of that I got it like That's 20, 30 years ago you know you have it like up on like a mantle just like <laughs> like an ode to your, to the history. <laughs> well, I do have them like in CD racks. They're just ones that I just haven't. I just refuse to part with, yeah, and that's okay. like yeah. Too yeah. Much <laughs> no, no. And then like there was this other record store that was a couple blocks away that I would you know private like secretly shop at, and they're a little more underground. Which I'm actually wearing the t-shirt right now. They still are open. It's called B Side Records. And there, that's when I was like Miss Kitten and like oh, started yeah. getting into, you know, then I, Inner City, as Brian mentioned, and like, and yeah, I just started going out and I was just really, and plus before that, I'm, I was always, I started playing the violin and the piano. So I've always been into music and singing. Yep. And I sang in a few funk bands then and things like that. And well rounded history yeah. then. Right. And then I've done some geographics and through that, like I've, went to when I lived in DC and that I got into listening to Victor Caldron and at the oh, time yeah. I I think I don't want to say the wrong thing Manny Lehman may be from here but he lived at the time he lived out there and he DJed out there and that was like he was one of my favorite DJs those two and um, I started doing more vocals but it was more like jazz and blues and okay okay doing stuff for other people I guess and playing and then never um, like never singing like with electronic music it was just kind of like the uh, other genres yeah that sort of came later because i yeah. like jazz and blues just just yeah. bring it up tempo and there you got some soulful house uh, you yeah. know yeah so yeah I, I think that that's just 
been like mainly just going out and then singing for other people and then by the time I made my way over to LA um, this is years later I guess I see I moved to, I moved to LA in 2005 okay. right around there and I sang in bands then too I sang in a Hendrix band you know so I oh, still stayed in that yeah. sort of jazz rock blues and still listening, going out clubbing though, because I've always loved house music and still, you know, stayed in that scene, that underground scene. And and then um, I just was like, why am I doing this? Like for other people, like, let me try to do something myself, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, I have this musical background. I was still playing the piano, doing these things. And then, so I started off producing and then I just started working in Logic. Oh yes. And then from, there like then I when I was working in Logic I did like a lot of soul house and then my I played piano I wasn't as rusty now but then I was playing like all the time so I was just doing a lot of soulful house tunes and like nice. doing my own vocals and things and then and then I think that I guess to bring up where my name Traversi came from like I've had other product names I've produced under but mm-hmm. um as the years went by and then just I guess doing like working you know and then not in music and then taking other avenues and then coming to the conclusion that I really wanted to get back into music it's always been something I've been passionate about and why did I set it down sort of you know I'm sure that a lot of people go through that where you know you where do you draw the line you know like do you keep working on music or do you have to get that quote unquote you know like nine to five job and I've always like struggled that I mean I've always had a day job and then it's just like the struggle is making time to do what I really love to do and so then when I decided to really take it seriously and get back into production and that's when I switched over to Ableton and I produce now in Ableton and I came with I decided to go by the name Traversi because I'm half Sicilian and what it means is it's to find oneself Mm. and so that's where how appropriate yeah that's really cool and so there it's just like from there I've just been like okay and then I've just been you know working at it and producing I put out some tracks and mm-hmm. through that I've met had an opportunity to meet Brian and some other like really talented um, producers and instructors and various people that have really like you know influenced me like Brian Thavius Bat you know like mm-hmm. that have like, I went back to school to really hone in my production skills and and then by the time I started working with Brian I was already producing and we just kind of linked and we just connected right away I think like we're like definitely musical soulmates (laughs) we think a lot alike we see like yeah we do we 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 uh at Chromacast call ourselves the same thing so that's really interesting (laughs) so this is a musical soulmate show yeah that's what it's all about well it's it's interesting a lot of like even like about just just in general you know so it just kind of folds like but here's what's strange is I've had partners before partners I've had partners before like like I mentioned the guys when I played the, the rec guys where we got along great but we were musically very different and we had different approaches. And then I've had people I've played with where literally it's like two people with the same brain. Yeah. She and I think very similarly, but musically kind of come from different ends of the spectrum. I mean, I, I, I'm 
dyed in the wool house music. Like, yeah. and really, and honestly, like, left to my own devices, I would probably only make very, very, very gay, very, very black, like, vocal Chicago house. And I, over that's the top, hands in the air house. Yeah, yeah. Love yeah. it. But, yeah. but yeah. naturally, when, if we just, like from a from a, a dead stop naturally i'm more like kind of in the middle vocal bouncy house and she's more in the middle sort of techno okay and then we'll, and then the way we meet it ends up always like in, in the beginning it was interesting because we would fight the impulses of should we just should, should we do this or do that mm -hmm. because we and not even like we would struggle musically because musically it always sounded great we would just notice things would come out without us trying to do it that right. are her influences and like my influences would, i feel like yeah. we traveled through like five genres yeah. Like yeah, 45 yeah. minutes, especially, you know, just because we're just playing whatever we're playing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I know, but it's, you have to realize, like, we, we, we've probably—I don't know how many shows we've played now, but it's been a few, more than a few. And it's we've learned through the process of doing it. It's sort of like imagine being a comedian with no jokes. Every <laughs> night you have to find something you make funny. Make up on stage. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing that in front of people on two Ableton setups yeah. where people want to dance. Yeah. If you have a bad night. That it doesn't so right. it's, at a certain point you have to sort of go okay so as fun as it is to do whatever comes to mind right. you do have to kind of so so now we're sort of we've we've distilled it down to a thing where it you'll see we absolutely jam we absolutely coming up with new stuff as we're playing but now we're sort of like writing songs and and you know where where these are the songs you'll hear you go to a show and, and you could go to three shows and hear the right. couple big songs or yeah. whatever that we write and to give it a little bit more yeah because right. it's yeah. right. man it was such a high besides jerry garcia's jam band like well, well and the other thing is jerry garcia didn't build the guitar so like that's if true something fails we've got a lot of moving parts to this thing <laughs> right, right the last thing you want is you're figuring out the music and oh yeah one channel went out or something weird the midi's not yeah yeah so yeah. There, that synth yeah. is like yeah yeah there was cool. there was a lot there was a lot in the process but but in terms of our interaction and the way we, we it's it's one of those weird things I think I think when you've had it happen it's sort of like you know falling in love or something when you have it happen you kind of know you know when it's something that can work and it's cool and it's just like you collaborate and whatever and then you also know when it's something that's very easy and natural especially just ideologically in terms of like work ethic. I mean, honestly, the biggest thing besides just the fact that like, we don't really fight, I mean, we, we really kind of don't argue. Yeah. Like we have strong opinions, so we'll, we'll get like, we'll get fired up and then we'll kind of realize we don't really have right. a reason to argue with each other. Yeah. <laughs> but um, well, and also because I mean, to her point, she doesn't really say something unless she means it. So mm. it's like she doesn't, she doesn't like wasting people's time. Yep. Right. And then musically, well, it's- Talk it's, softly, carry a big stick, Yeah. Right? Well, and, and, <laughs> well, but it's also neat because musically, she doesn't like anything that's not good. Oh yeah. And I don't mean that like I'm a big believer that like art has a, is very subjective, but honestly, that then there's an underlying layer that is objective. There's stuff that's just trash, mm -hmm. right? Or there's things that just is not quality. Like we all have guilty pleasures. We all like stuff that we'd rather, you know, we don't want to cop to or whatever. Mm -hmm. But this is different from something being well constructed, or understanding a genre, or understanding the mechanics of a dance floor. Those are things that honestly are like not re not real refutable. You get it, and you can push the button. Like I, like Jeff's nodding. I know Jeff knows this because I've watched him push the button on people. Like it kind of <laughs> bums me out. He didn't in the same thing with his old partner Ryan because literally I would get angry at them because they'd be like nah we're just gonna noodle 
Like I even remember being at a party they played with Hive where literally they were like daring themselves to not make people dance just because they wanted to play what they wanted to play. Uh. And then I'm like, you guys. And then and then and then I watched them. They're like, all right, we'll let them dance. And then they played like three or four records in a row where people just lost their minds. So literally it was just <laughs> at will they could yeah. do it. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, that's too easy. We want to do something else. Kind of a thing. <laughs> right. I, th I think you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty as charged. Are you just a, you're control well, I don't freak, think you do you? that. I don't think I. I definitely can't. I can say you don't do that anymore. At least I didn't see evidence of that at the last at the party. This was very much. This was this is you being you. Because I because I don't know that you know. I'll, I have to take a moment to say this, especially on your show. Mm -hmm. Although I'd say this anywhere. <laughs> I've seen everybody in the t upper echelons of every genre of dance music. I've seen pretty much everybody that's worth seeing at that top level. Not everybody out there working. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty old. I can't keep up with everybody. <laughs> but I will say this. I will put you... I will put you in my top five from this city and in my top ten of anybody of any genre of DJ. You are one of the strongest DJs I've ever heard of anything. Seriously. I'll, I'll give that a second, Ser too. Seriously, because I've seen you play a couple different genres where you were equally adept. You're kind of like watching some mixed martial artist mm -hmm. where like you could switch right. that. It's, it's like you have a very, very innate understanding of the mechanics of a dance floor mm -hmm. and you and you translate it back to the DNA that the way you you buy and program music uh, is is very impressive and it's good stuff I always liked watching your sets Jeff uh, late night I think you turn into a different animal Oh, on the late night. I, I'll tell you, man, I'm itching to play a closing set. <laughs> yes. I haven't played a closing set in so long. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. So hopefully, maybe uh, one of the upcoming Chromacast parties, we can do that. Yep. I think uh, I think that's going to happen. Actually, in Mexico. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. It's kind of a little more private, but mm -hmm. if anyone is willing to get down to Mexico. Hit us up. Yeah. And we'll give you the info. Have a good time. It's for Kingpin's 40th birthday party. Nice. Okay. Nice. Um, what part of Mexico? Cabo San Lucas. There you go. Oh, very yeah, nice. Yeah, Cabo San Lucas. Very nice. But yeah, it's 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 super fun when when you can find. I've had it happen a couple times in my career where I've had partners that we were very in sync, and it makes it and especially because what we're doing now is a little bit, you know, it's a, it's we love it. It's super fun, but if you stop and think about it for too long, you'll stop because you're like this should fail. Yeah. Like the, it's technically too many right. moving parts. It definitely yeah. feeds that. Yeah. I like that techie style. Yeah, I mean, so like literally. Build something and figure it out yeah, and mapping and mapping. Yeah, you and show up with the men in black boxes and you. Point <laughs> comp tests in our I, I was intimidated when you guys showed up. I was like, oh. And then and then other Ableton people are kind of like, well, what, you know? And and honestly, it's just a function of we keep streamlining. How do we make it easier to play the instrument? Right. 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 I'm sure with something like this. You've got all the gear, yeah, right? right? But how do we streamline it? Yeah, honestly, every, every piece of gear needs to be involved. Yeah, and, and honestly, like without getting super, you know, because we can we, we can get into that later. Yeah, yeah, but 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 honestly, the thing to us that's that's what drives all of it is we love playing music and we love making people dance. So how do we sort of take all the middle stuff away? So yeah, it's a bunch of screens, although, and, and honestly, like as quickly as we can dispose of the screens, because I hate that screen between us and the people. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's the thing where like, how do we make it really just fun and easy? So we're just playing music, yeah. like a guitarist or a drummer, because yep. same thing with like all the, I look at people staring at the little screen on CDJs and I'm like, I get it. It's a necessary evil because now you can carry around all your music in your pocket. Yeah. But it's also this little baby screen. It's this weird. It I don't know. There's something weird about 
everything meeting in the middle with the same mixer and the same instrument. Right. So everybody kind of doing it a similar way that I can see why some of the bigger DJs internationally sort of split off mm-hmm. and said, we're going to try controllers or we're going to try more CDJs or we're going to try just because that reconnection of just playing music and getting back to like, yeah. and, and, and nothing to take away from the festival guys or whatever, but I'm much more interested in like, can you make a dark room go off? Ultimately, it's really about if you if they can close their eyes and have a good time and dance and feel something. That's right. all of this is for that. And I think for a lot of us who DJed, especially old schoolers, like we're all kind of senior citizens. Yeah. 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 Hey, I'm pretty senior. My knees hurt, man. So, like, I think the thing we're really chasing is like that feeling of slapping on a piece of wax. Watching the crowd go nuts and having that connection, looking at looking across the the, ter- the turntables, and looking in someone's eyes and knowing you just made their weekend. Yeah. You know? Like in in with the more screens that get involved, the more you get away from that. You know. And so I think a lot. You're right. Like a lot of people are trying to get that feeling back, right? Yeah. They first had. Pitch a lot. You, yeah. That's one of my favorite things with DJing. For some reason, yeah. I have to ride the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Just how long can I keep this mix going? Right. Mm-hmm. If, of course, if the mix made sense. Right. Right. But that was one of my favorite <laughs> things. And I really miss that with when playing with Ableton. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not there. It doesn't have that same feel. Right. Well, it's a, it's that I think the thing that to me becomes interesting is like I the high wire act of beat matching. As you get into the technical side of it, which Jeff, I know you know, because I was, you know, playing with you and Ryan when you were doing those crazy. I don't even now when I think about what you guys were attempting to do at every show. I, if I was your man, if like literally, if I was, if, if I took the role that I would that I would insist on now, I'd be like, you got to you got to cut this in half. <laughs> any of it fails and the show fall. Like it literally was a, a Herculean task that made absolutely no sense. But then again, like we said, Ryan's from the future, and and, and Jeff's entirely too nice. To, he has to let the guy from the future steer, so you know it's, it's going to be what it's going to be. I, I loved what we were doing. With no, no, I, yeah. I did too. I did. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I did too. But I mean, technically, from a standpoint of like as a musician, they were like, let's play three pianos, yeah. not not three vertically. Let's put them next to each other, so we have to run back and forth. Yeah, like it was that. It yeah. was crazy, right? <laughs> but so so anyway, my point there is is ultimately the takeaway take from all of it is, I watched Giles Peterson play parties for years before he started beat matching. He would just program, mm. and good programming is the essence. I mean, you go back to to you know the warehouse. Well, before warehouse, you go back to Paradise Garage. It's programming. It's not beat matching, right? Yeah. It's about selection, and ultimately, all of this stuff is just about ha- people having a good time, people enjoying themselves. And I think it's easy nowadays, despite us being an act that relies on technology mm-hmm. to make music. Our music is not about technology. Our music is about making people dance and have a good time. Our music is made by technology in the same way that techno was made by the technology of the day. Mm-hmm. If there was something, if there was a, if there was a way to do it that you know allowed them to easily, like if you watch Jeff Mills on a 909, oh, it yeah. doesn't look like a drum machine. It looks like an instrument. Yep. He's just playing it like a keyboard. It's incredible. Right? Right. I saw him play in Chicago. Uh, that that whole thing with the 909, it was just something else. But that's what that was. If yeah. you go back and watch people, it was it was just like watching the virtuoso piano player or violinist or anybody. It's mm-hmm. so we're not that that's what we're doing, but it's shades of the same impulse of like I have music in me I want to get it out it happens to be dance music and it happens to be right. using Ableton as the mechanism but yeah. past that 
the rest of it, you know, you can fixate on it if you want. But we, yeah, but for us, it is details. For us, honestly, it's about good songs and about good music. And also it's about less fixation on what's going on around you in the moment, right? I keep seeing, you know, a loop is happening in Berlin right now for Ableton, it just happened. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the the thought that kept coming up with people is, you know, you keep looking at SoundCloud and someone's got 30 new tracks. Why don't I have 30 new tracks? Yeah, yeah. I had to and stop doing that. Yeah. It was oh, like, God, was yeah. And new, tracks. Was you like, gotta, gotta keep like... your eyes on your own paper. <laughs> exactly, keep your eyes yeah. on your own Yeah, brain. like That's... the practical reality is your heroes don't put out 30 tracks at a time. Not if they're any good. Yeah. And even if they did, that's them, not you. You gotta, you have to sort of find your lane. Yourself. Right. But most importantly, like, like to your point, we were talking about like records, people kind of caning big records and things like that. It used to really bother me, like in drum and bass, how they were so fixated on dub plates, which are records nobody knows, and not playing big tunes, which are records everybody knows. Yeah. So it's the antithesis of what a dance floor is designed to do, which is you want everyone to be able to sing, right? Rolling Stones would have no career if they did this, right? Yeah. Here's a bunch of unreleased tracks for an hour and a half, and everyone's waiting to hear Start Me Up. What? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting to have a culture. Here's my thing. You can call the genres whatever you want. I consider it all dance music. It's in the name. Your job is in the name, right? Mm -hmm. Dance, music. If they're not dancing, you're not doing your job. For us, yeah, we make some electronic music that's noodly, although most of our stuff is pretty straight dance floor. Mm -hmm. Um, Try not to like. Yeah, we don't don't really segregate. It's just. Not noodle too. We make it chew in the head. Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah. Well, but it's also our sensibility. We kind of like, we like it when our heroes kind of get to the point too. We like it go, go, go type of thing. Because that's the other thing. There'll be some other guy or some other girl, some other act who will say, well, their, prefer- their preference is something mellower. Cool. So maybe they play earlier and we all get programmed for how we sound rather than right. trying to make some sort of catch-all thing. But I think that's one of the things in dance music. I think the great thing, you know, the EDM world has sort of made things complicated because it gives this illusion that dance music is something different than it was. And I think the problem there is some of it is and some of it isn't. It's a little bit like judging Hollywood by Transformers, right? right. There are great filmmakers and they're even great filmmakers that make blockbuster, you know, and they're not a lot of people that will say horrible things about J.J. Abrams, and I'm pretty sure he's an economy unto himself, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yet, <laughs> and yet, you know, people will say like, oh, this is commercial or whatever. I think in electronic music, there's this weird, complicated thing because the cat is out of the bag. There's no more secrets. Everybody knows about genres. Mm-hmm. There's parties in every town. You can find music online. All, most people don't go out anyway. Most people just listen to music online, right? Everyone has SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. So now you have this weird, <laughs> you have this weird other issue, which is if there's no secret and there's no sort of like barrier to entry, is that a bad thing? Mm. And does that even matter? And the practical reality is I didn't have to go to some crazy CD neighborhood. I only had to go down to Melrose in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was Melrose and I had to go find flyers and go to map points and do all that stuff. So yes, it was underground. But the practical reality was it wasn't like if I didn't know a person, I would have never gotten to go. It wasn't so, you know, and the truth is that's kind of been true for a very long time, right? Yeah. I, mean, yeah. there's the st- I was. I thought I was heartbroken when I read the story about Africa Bambata. Uh, recently, friends of ours came to. A, a, actually, we went recently and saw uh, John Tejada, who's if yep. you're not familiar, phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we went and saw Tejada play. He was playing with Kenny Larkin. My friends know Kenny Larkin. So we were at the party, and they show up with Arthur Baker, literally an individual who I would, I have a PowerPoint slide for him when I teach the history of hip-hop Amazing. And, and the 808. So he's like, I'm Arthur, and I'm like, yes, you are, yes, right? Yes, you are. I literally <laughs> my mind. It's so awesome. But, it was, but it, was, it was fascinating because there's a story they used to tell 
when they would talk about how one of the other artists of their era heard the sounds on that record. Mm. And they were like, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's a 808. It's this, it's this, this rolling drum machine. And he's like, oh, where do I get that? And one of the artists goes, oh, you can get them at Guitar Center. Yeah. <laughs> because to me, Guitar Center is like, oh, those came out in the 90s, not yeah. really thinking. Yeah. And it's like, no, nobody wants to say like, where'd you get that crazy part? Oh, I bought it at Radio Shack. Because there's a radio, well, there were Radio right. Shacks yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Right. You don't want to be like, I went down to Best Buy. Because that's not <laughs> sexy. Right. But the practical yeah. reality is this has been true for as long as long three generations of music have been around. Yep. Right. So we romanticize about how, yeah, I had to go down this alley. And yeah, we all did that. And we all went to dodgy <laughs> break-in parties. Yeah. 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 But then there's the other side <laughs> of it, which is it hasn't been a secret for Hotlines most and, of our lifetimes and, and map points but. right but you don't miss bus <laughs> no you don't miss people getting their cars broken into that's true I don't, you miss, don't that. miss right although I did go to this underground with a friend of mine and um I guess because we're both older, we didn't even think about it. We left exchange, and then we were like, oh, let's go to this underground. So mm -hmm. we go, we park our car, and um, there's like a short, like a like a bus or like a large van. Yeah. And the guy's like, okay, You're get like, in. And we're talking, talking. We're like, eh, we didn't even think about it. We get into <laughs> like, the van. Whatevs. We pile into the van, and <laughs> we're chatting, and the guy drives away, and I'm like, I look at, okay, what street I parked my car on. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, this guy could really kill us. We just yeah, got into true. the van. Yeah. Like, and then I he just, know. and then I, that little piece was like, but that's not going to happen. We're going to underground party. And that yeah. comes from growing up back in those days. All those of, experiences. Yeah, we get out. It was you're not going to get murdered. The party was phenomenal. We did. <laughs> well, with, with that said, um, I think I think we we all want to hear your take on this beautiful music. If you guys wouldn't mind, we'd like to get into the live set. Would that be okay? Definitely. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Cool. You are in tune to Chromacast with Markman and Travarsi, known as Forward. We'll be right back with the live set. This is Chromacast.
in tune to Chromacast. Find us on Facebook at Chromacast LA.
forward. We hope you're enjoying your chicken, Ted. Thank <laughs> you. 
This is Chromacast.
Chromacast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Mixcloud.
Travarsi from Forward, and you're listening to Chromacast. Thank <laughs> you. 
are listening to Chromacast. Head to thisischromacast.com for more of these sounds. Hey, welcome back. You guys, forward. That was an amazing set. Thank you. That was really, really entertaining. I loved how you guys just kept the energy going the whole time. Thank awesome. you. Oh, thanks. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, so I want to talk. We got it. Um, if you had a chance to check out the live video, you guys saw their setup and all the things that they're using. There's some obviously Ableton, uh, the push, and a couple of Allen and Heath Zone One controllers. I think is what you guys have, or am I wrong there? The K twos. K twos. Thank you. Okay. Um, why don't Why don't we get started? And you guys can talk about the setup. Um, just. Just explain how you built it and, and what everything, what are you doing there? Uh, well, for me, um, my setup consists of, I mean, obviously I have Ableton, but I have three K2s and then I use my iPad and my push. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a MIDI fighter twister. Uh, um, that was the little box that's on the yeah, top? Yeah, the little the box, box with the, the knobs on it. Yeah. And... I guess, well, from my K2s, that's where I channel out all the... Because I manage the percussion. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, like my kicks and yeah. claps and per channel and things like that. And then um, on my MIDI fighter, I just put like the master and like different little filter or just little effects that I've mapped yeah. into each track. So each track has its own little knob of like little right, the, nice. the more knobs the better sometimes yes i love knobs <laughs> I, yes yeah 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 it's yeah. <laughs> great i'm not a menu diving and that's like how no. we started like when i i changed my setup i used the apc 40 before i switched to the k2s and i really liked the apc 40 but i didn't like that you had to menu dive just to get to your reverb, right. like you know, to get your to your sense. And I was like, and it's just too much going on yeah. to be like, oh, to think about which yep. age I'm getting into. So yeah, in a live show, live setting, you want to be able to just grab something and go with it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I started using the K2s, that just kind of pulled it together for me because it's just like looks like a mixer essentially. Yeah. You know, you have the three knobs on top, yep. you know, and then. The fader, but then you have a couple other buttons that I have mapped to, to um, you know, like solo or delays and different things like that on there. Yeah. And then I use my push to launch clips or play my instruments. That's cool. Hey, anyone curious about checking out just like high-level photos of their setup? We've got it on our Instagram page. This is Chromacast. Yep. Okay, uh, Brian, do you want to talk about your? your setup and how you're utilizing all those amazing tools? Yeah, um, so my setup is a, a little bit different because um, like Shauna was saying, she does percussion, she does melodic stuff as well, but mine is um, almost entirely melodic. I have a drum channel, but I don't almost ever have to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mine's interesting because this is the evolution of, a, of another setup I used that actually had analog gear in it. Mm-hmm. So I had to supplement um, pieces of hardware that I used to use. I used Korg Volkas in that setup. Mm-hmm. So I went looking for software and actually replaced the Volkas, interestingly enough, with Korg plugins, which was perfect because I wanted the same workflow. Yeah. So basically, we both run a piece of software called Touchable on the iPad. Oh, yeah. The touch, I didn't mention and, that. And for me... That was TouchOSC for a second. Yeah. No, well, TouchOSC is cool, but it runs on a different protocol. This is just straight MIDI, which is nice. Oh, uh, nice. Um, the main thing is... Um, 
you can customize everything because my basically I moved over all my controls. I wanted to have I wanted to be able to have the same number of controls as a piece of hardware. Yeah. So my screen at any time, my base, all of my envelope controls, the sliders for my envelopes, all my filters, all the major controls on my synth are on my iPad. So when you hear me changing the bass, there's no patches, there's no presets. Everything has to happen between songs or during a song. Same, all the modulation stuff. So it's, I like it. It's a little bit of like that Jack White, like cheap guitar approach where you have to go through and yep. do it by hand. That's cool. So yeah, so my iPad mostly is for that. And then there's global effects. Like I like to be able to change reverbs, uh, like the size of the room or mm -hmm. diffusion. I want to be able to change obviously delay time. I like tape delays a lot. I didn't do it too much today, but over the course of playing, it definitely comes into play. So having controllers to do that, essentially what it is, the metaphor is is like everything that I would have had a knob for in the real world, I kind of have an, a virtual knob or a yeah. piece of hardware in front of me. Right. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so I use the, the Launch Control XL, which is a Novation controller. It looks like an analog mixer mm -hmm. and I use it like an analog mixer. I basically put, I, I we don't ever get a front of house. <laughs> No one's going to mix us. So basically, <laughs> yeah. we have to make ourselves sound good, and we have to figure out what are the things that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. So like, I have things like my pads sometimes will be too bright. So I have like, I have EQs. I don't, obviously, you're not going to put a regular EQ. You're not going to put all those controls. But I have EQs where I can pull brightness out. I can pull out overly, like high mids. I can pull out mids if it's fighting like pianos. Did you already have the uh, I presets? Built, I built EQs. Ready to go. I built custom racks, and I built faders that basically just, like I have, a, I have an EQ that's just mid-size so that just pulls out the middle ah. and it just pulls out when it starts to get muddy against that's my cool. leads you're like hey that's this is wrong let me call this up right yeah now. it's like engineering mixing tricks so that our performances sound tighter same thing like like what Shonda was saying about things like we have most of the time people don't think about things like send and return levels and all the rest of that we have cuts so if something piles up and gets into trouble we can get rid of it right. or if we're sending and it sounds great but it's coming back too hot we can turn the return level down so the reverbs and delays sit nice in the mix yeah Everything's going through gating, compression, queuing, yeah. all that stuff to make it sound sweet. Yeah. To make it all like we're still talking about hardware compression at some point, just so they give it that little extra oh, that's layer. A good idea. Right. Make it sound. I mean, it's at some point it'll sound too recordy and it won't sound live enough, so we'll probably have to stop at some point. <laughs> but but definitely we're we're looking at that just because live acts tend to live electronic acts tend to suffer from it sounding like gear going into a mixer. It doesn't sound like a record and it also doesn't sound as polished as a show. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of but I mean I mean, all our stuff has global effects, so reverbs and delays on everything, filters for everything, so we can... Yeah, the XY, like, that's what I use my iPad. Oh, the XY yeah. pad? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have two, like, for for each, so that way I can, you know, just kind of pull and feel uh, around. Yeah, and you'll notice we and don't... change it up. We don't spend a lot of time, yeah, like, looking yeah. at the screen. We don't spend a lot of time scrolling. Yeah. We try to distill it down to, like, the number of things that'll fade, fit on faders in front of us. Yep. Mm -hmm. So when I'm looking at the screen, I'm literally just keeping track of, like, okay, what song are we on? Is there a patch... Is is there a part I need to load so I can move on and play a live part? Yep. Is there something I want to, like most of that even we do just from looking at the controllers in front of us. Like you would have noticed we have a visual metronome. Mm -hmm. We each have one and they're both linked. So right. we know where That's we cool. are. Uh, in, in a song, we always know where we are within four bars. So we can oh, always nice. find the one and we can jump in and out. So think, yes, yeah. speaking of that, like I, I saw you guys, you know, you have these two separate setups, right? Right. Um, and obviously you've, you've got to like communicate where you are during the song. I noticed you guys kind of giving hand signals back and forth yeah like baseball yeah it totally was it reminded me of like first base coach like yeah. can you tell me a little bit about that like how does that work um well it's like because you when you're 
you know, as you know, like when you're playing music and sometimes you're just in that moment and, yep. and then it's loud. Yeah. So we're like, we got to figure out like when and dark. Yeah. So like, when are we going to trans, like, are we going to transition just to give each other a heads up too? Because yeah. I don't want to just yeah. do something and then use it. Yeah. What? Like leading into something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're pretty much on the same page, yeah. but just to kind of try to, you know, keep it to flow, keep it flowing better. We have like, like, like I'll let them know, okay, I'm going to transition or, yeah, yeah. Break, it or down. break it down. Yeah. So we've come up with like, yeah. like little ways little, of calling that. Right, That's right. Cool. Well, it's, this it's, is my, aside from Zabaki, cool. I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's, hey. it's, kind of a, it's kind of a throwback to like playing, DJing with partners where we figure, figured out pretty quickly that like when you've got giant monitors blaring in your ear, you can't really yeah. talk. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah. And we were, and you know, my old crew, we would play on two by fours a lot. So it's four turntables. So you really, there's not time to go over, especially if you have two records on like an acapella and a beat mm -hmm. so we had to do like you know like speed it up slow it down turn it up turn it down we had to do hand signals where literally you expect you don't you can't take a step away yeah doing stuff yeah right this is similar but this has obviously more moving parts where if it goes bad it goes bad in a hurry <laughs> so the ability to, and you know and, and the truth is is like every every you know something breaks period i mean nothing ever breaks the show the show always goes on but something breaks periodically like even today we had a little thing break but it was cool we yeah. worked around it which is fun i'm sure you'll hear it yeah but uh but, but no i mean well but, I didn't hear but well but we don't we but that's the cool thing i think uh, about this like i don't you know i don't go watch concerts looking for perfect performances i go watch concerts looking for like great emotional experiences and sometimes i've been to you know like one of my favorite r&b singers is mary j blige and she spent over half her career not hitting the note yeah she'd play shows she'd go for it and just come up short a lot yeah. and then the last couple of years she really to her credit went back in and like really honed her craft and just now she's phenomenal she's always been great but she was always more emotion than than sort of like stru structural technical ability now she's sort of both yeah for us it's like i have no illusions like as much as i would like 100 percent perfect every time whatever the, uh, you know there's a conversation going around in the dance music world, particularly in the uh, sort of festival world right now, about how much you're sort of expected to do mm -hmm. at a show. Yeah. And, right. you know, look, I have no illusions. Like, I get it, you know, and there's a really great, if anyone gets a chance to watch it, there's an amazing video of Laidback Luke having this very conversation. And I forget who it was with, but it was like another Danish DJ he talked to, another really, really big DJ. Yeah. And they talked about how, you know, I get it when you get paid, Mm, high six mean, figures that like the button pushing conversation yeah well well because well because it's not because the button pushing assumes that your job is to play music and that's not really the job of the festival dj anymore the job of the festival dj is to is to bring a show yeah which sometimes people. means yeah well right <laughs> well and that's part of bringing people yeah, so yeah. so sometimes that means you know a, a creative team you know that that designs visuals and lighting for you yeah we as musicians don't think of that as that big a thing but if you're if you think about it you two doesn't go out without that sure right? absolutely. no major touring act goes out without that and if you Fireworks watch and, yeah and if yeah. you watch cakes who, sometimes people who do it well there's no there's no i mean like i would argue richie houghton's as good as anybody else at that and he plays music the whole time yep but he also plays techno to be fair yeah so like i think somewhere in the conversation they're in the same way that for years and years and years, a lot of DJs would play a record for five minutes and then play another record. And then Carl Cox comes along and Dave Clark comes along and they're playing three records at a time, yep. showing everybody else, hey, wait a minute, there's more <laughs> here. It's a personal choice thing. It doesn't mean anyone else has to do that. In the same way that just because you can do four decks and effects on a, on, a, on, a, on a vinyl, digital vinyl control or on a piece of software, it doesn't mean you have to. Right. I think somewhere in here, there's a conversation about 
music and a show where even though we technically could produce everything ahead of time and just sort of like put filters on it. But that'd be boring for you, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, it's not just boring for us like that. I think that it's just not what we want. I think, you know, maybe we'll come to a point where we'll be big and have big songs and people will be like, stop messing up our favorite song. Right. And that may be an issue, I don't know. But I mean, like as an example, you know, one of my favorite artists is um, Andres Trentmuller. He's a- Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's kind of evolved. Now it's, it's crazy because it's like, he's almost evolved my chronology backwards where he went, he went from this techno guy to now yeah. he literally sounds like he's, he's Robert crazy. Smith era Susie and the Banshees. Yep. Right. right. It's, yeah. Sound like it goes through. It's so crazy. Have but you it's seen so his live show? Oh, it's amazing. One? It's like I felt like I was watching Depeche Mode back in the eighties. Yeah, I mean, it was he, incredible. He does. Yeah. I, I saw him like two or three tours ago yeah. when he was here, really and it was um, it looked like an eighties art show. Like the lights were just these big halogen lights on motors. Yeah. And they had like um, paper lanterns around them. So there was no the production value was all stuff that's fifty year old, hundred year old stuff there weren't like crazy lasers there was no big lcd he wasn't it, it was after he had kind of wrapped up all the stuff he did on his first big tour and he went bare bones and it like really was compelling to do something that was just light and shadow yeah, yeah. and just like it was really a timeless thing and it kind of showed but more than that he kind of has taken the hybrid of live band and electronic music in a direction where neither thing suffers. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to do. Usually it's like, cool, I'm gonna play a 909 and then musicians are gonna play around me, mm -hmm. or it's gonna be a band with a synth on top. Yeah. He kind of has a cool balance, yep. you yeah. know, and, 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 and I like that if they wanna vamp on a song and it's 12 minutes long, you can do that. Just like, I love it if you go see a rock band, yeah. you know, I love that sometimes you're there the night that they play the crazy cover right. and you got to see something that maybe no one's ever seen before. Yeah, yeah. For us, it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of that sense right. of like, you know, I'll be like, let's. You want to transition? Yeah. No, I don't yeah. want to transition. Yeah, I noticed some of that. You guys were doing a little bit of like, hey, let's let's like give and take. Um, I, I that's actually brings up a good question. Like, how much of what you just did for us was was uh, like stuff that obviously it was all you guys have all produced this stuff but like how much was it of it was verbatim from the song that you produced and how much of it was a little bit improvised like first of all there's no songs there's oh, parts okay. of songs yeah, yeah cool. we're right yeah, now writing parts yeah. that literally what we'll do is we'll jam and then we're like well we probably should do a bass part for this and keep it because gotcha. here's right. what's ha what happened. You kind of designed your your music around the live show first, and yeah. then yes. kind of writing. It was insane. We yeah, would that's go out really and she would like if we like something, yeah. that we maybe save parts of it. She yeah. would, so then we can yeah. stack five layers really of drums, cool. and it would change every night. That's cool. It's like think about yeah. how many combinations she had to create. It's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I would do that with basses, and we would keep adding, and we're doing this crazy Jenga pile of musical stuff, mm -hmm. yeah. hoping it wouldn't fall over, right? Yeah. And then finally I was, was like, like before I. I was using like <laughs> a lot I had like another launch pad and oh, like yeah. just because I was insane. launching different she so had like she had she had she could swap out any drum at any time so That's it becomes rad. this crazy like yeah so it was a little bit I mean we both got kind of a little too comfortable with the idea of like I can go anything we can still do whatever we want we yeah. can do everything on the fly <laughs> yeah. and to be honest with you like none of it is songs like if we played you what we have right now mm -hmm. she'll play you like a pattern and, and you bring in all the parts and it's the drums but it doesn't break itself down anywhere it doesn't yeah. have any structure anywhere yeah. like right. I can play you a loop that's a bass part and then maybe an alternate bass part and yeah. sometimes there's stabs for the leads and sometimes there's nothing yeah most right. of our songs like on my side most of our on our, my side I have five channels of music mm -hmm. 
depend and, and then there's other stuff if we use it five channels of music and most songs have three or four of them and most of the time there's like two clips yeah and it's like wow. a basic drum pattern that we cut up and do stuff with and there's some idea that's kind of a lead and then you play something on so like everything melodic today was pretty much most of it was made up on the spot yep. and then little stabs usually to fill in we we just make those because it's easier to just yeah then playing the stupid part over and over again yeah but yeah it's, it's it's not and we're trying to get away from that we're trying to kind of get to the point where whatever we can build just it's like if we can just take out the rhythm guitar part that some poor sap having to play three chords for <laughs> four minutes if we right. can take that out and not have to do that part because that part's sort of crap anyway yeah yeah let's just, that'll be in a clip yeah like if it's just going to be a baseline that's not really going to change yeah unless i really come up with some crazy idea like if, if we when we stretch out like today you know we wanted to kind of keep it tight and try to do something that sounds a little more polished and not noodle so much but yeah, yeah. Right. if we stretch out you know, I'll let the bass play and then I'll cut it out and then I'll just start playing bass and see where it goes. Yep. You yep. know what I mean? That because that's the essence of our show is just like where we take right. it wherever. So it's built to where we can almost start from nothing. That's pretty cool. Build up from, yeah, we don't have song. There are no complete songs in yeah. either of our sets. Your set is the song. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. So so then obviously um, you guys must rehearse. Like, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about like how much do you rehearse and, and where do you rehearse? And and, and things like that. Um. I mean, I'm I'm fortunate. I'm a, I'm a I'm fortunate. I, I work at uh, a, I work at a school here in town that is very uh, music production school that's very amenable to you know we have DJ room where people are always practicing and we have little studios or whatever. Mm -hmm. So normally I'm done teaching by 9:30 at night. I'm there anyway. So she'll meet me right after class. So heavy schedule a couple times a week. Normal schedule once or once twice a week, but every right. single week. But every every week, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sure. yeah. yeah, necessary. It's very necessary with something like this. Yeah, and it's like, and it's. And before it was like, as we were building, it was like, our pra it, now our practice sessions are 90% jam, yeah. 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 10% yeah. talking Usually. and notes and things. Whereas before it was like, play a little, and then I'm like, I had a notebook of like, okay, I gotta go. Basically going back to the drawing board, yeah. you know, patches, I'd find yeah. things, everything. exactly, yeah. I'd yeah. make some patches or make some different things, I'd yeah. be like, oh, that does yeah, we, not we, work, or it works, and then, yeah. and then I'll make some notes and then go home and work for hours, like, remapping things. Yeah, part, part of what was a, a unique problem that we figured out pretty early was, um, you know, we couldn't hear. Mm. You know, uh, monitoring's pretty bad for DJs generally, and yeah. so for live acts, I don't even know how they do it. Crazy. And um, you know, dance music is somewhere near the bottom rung of the of the, the ladder of you know importance for a live show for a <laughs> sound guy. Yeah. Right. So we kind of had to figure out the two key problems, which was number one, how do we get really good quality balanced sound out so that we sound good and they don't just limit us and ruin it. Yeah. Turn us up, turn us down, and ruin the balance. Especially because if I send a, a two, if I send a stereo pair and she sends a stereo pair, now there's like. Now it can be four things that could go wrong if yeah. they accidentally pan or do something. So right. we were like, first we got to figure out how to get it. So we we all of it goes to me, and we all get summed together. That makes so lot. And then the second problem, which was we couldn't hear anything. Like we literally played a radio show where they turned, they had one of the monitors you guys have, the and Yamaha. We couldn't hear it at all. Like we, just, we we were just flying completely. It sounded okay. It wasn't <laughs> bad, but it wasn't like if we if if we had a manager, they'd be like, how did you let them do that? You know, it was crazy. Yeah. But it wasn't even that. It was like that they kept it really. Yeah, they didn't understand like the they, mechanics of like we're a band we yeah. have to hear what we're doing have to hear what so you're after right. that we were kind of like we got to figure out a way to hear so now we have our own 
monitoring system where basically we all have we have in-ears we can hear what's going to everything nice. and we have a pre-queue so we can load things up but it's just been the six now we look at it and i go we're basically doing what we're going to do as we play bigger and bigger shows yep this is right. the same setup when we go out whether we're playing a 50 people or 5,000 people or whatever it is, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna be in ears and it's we have a nice balanced sound and we can hear everything we're doing nice. and we yeah, can it's, hear detail. It's, it's good because it's like environment independent, right? Like yeah. anywhere you go, you can like still hear yourself. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 cool. I mean, honestly, the the further we go down this road, the more all of the metaphors just call back to like traditional rock bands. It's yeah. like how do you build it so it won't break? How do you make it <laughs> right. so if something goes wrong? You kind of figured out all these problems already, right? Yeah. Well, and also, how do you play through them? Like if you play through and your pedal dies. You know, what do you do? You know, it's like uh, yeah. there's a there's a you know guy I know who's a professional musician here in town is this uh, this session drummer El- Elmo Elmo Levano who's a phenomenal drummer and a super nice dude. And um, he does a show called How to Get the Gig, and this one guy was talking about how he's he ended up playing for Prince. And he was a keyboard player for Prince, and one night he had like a like a pro- a prophet or something, and it died on stage. Oh shit. <laughs> and, and so he plays it and it goes makes some weird noise all, through the PA wow and Prince kind of looks over at him and after the show he goes what happened man and he's like uh, <laughs> my keyboard died and he goes okay so what happened he's like what do you mean he's like well, I can't play it it died he goes man when that he goes when it breaks just throw it down make it part of the show and he's like oh okay <laughs> he's like yeah he's like things happen yeah. he's like if my guitar breaks I'm gonna light it on fire yeah, I'm gonna break it into pieces exactly, I'm gonna yeah. throw it out back to <laughs> he's like I'm gonna make it part of the show and he was right Prince got it like show will go on don't worry about that mm-hmm. but like if something happens that you can just kind of capitalize yeah. for us it's like if we can we it's as built this is right now you wouldn't light this on fire though say, I'm I'm don't kick do that it over. we won't stand on it like on his tails or any of that <laughs> no, although to be fair, like we did, I mean, like you can see this is the iteration where now it's in pretty cases and all that stuff. Like we figured out a while ago, a lot goes wrong when we used to have to cable it by hand. I mean, we played a show where literally five minutes into setup, they turned the lights off. We played after hours where we oh basically set the old version of this where you have to plug everything yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that was it. That was and it. Just it remembering, was, you know. It was, it was yeah, yeah. And setting like, up is that loud. red or white RCA well, right here. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the cool thing. We kind of have we've already gone through and figured out a lot of the little hacks mm-hmm. for like reflective tape and labeling things and all the things that people do yep. for safety and for also just so that we know you know there's there's never any weird mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. hunting for something staring at it like why is it not working? Totally. We've kind of <laughs> troubleshot nice. most of what you can do. So for something that's technologically very deep, it's sort of simplistic in the in the execution where it's kind of made where you can figure out what broke pretty right. fast there's a lot of logic involved yeah cool. yeah well it's it's just like if you're cable in a studio you got you have to assume at some point everything has to get pulled out and 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 checked for failure sure so as much as it's nice and pretty to like lay it all out and then throw down your carpets or whatever you do real studios have access panels because real real studios know that <laughs> that they have clients and things have to keep working you got to pull things out of the wall and and you know do it right and solder fuses and do things and that's so we kind of built it like that as well yeah cool so um let's see like uh are at this point are you thinking that you're going to maybe like record a, a single or do like some like an album or or where are you guys going next like what's your next step what do you think so we have productions yes. so what interestingly enough like we love what we're making we love what we're playing and now we're sort of We've sort of been circling songs that we like that are like, okay, we should probably just 
produce, produce this. Yeah. Rather than right. like just keep playing it live and kind of, because we tend to do the same things, right? It's like yeah. late night TV, you're surfing. It's not coincidental you end up on the same channels watching the same shows, right? Yeah. It's human nature. Totally. Same thing. We'll play and then I'll fall into a pattern. She'll fall into a pattern and the songs start to sound the same every way, you, every time you play it because yep. you naturally gravitate. Yeah. But then she had a lot of really good production. We're kind of like putting rough stuff we have together. Okay. And working yes. on production. That's We're cool. just, because honestly, like this has been such a weird, like, I mean, how long have we been together? Like, like, in, to, like total, how long we've been together now? Not long. Yeah, like a, almost. Almost a year, year maybe? Almost a year. A year. Yeah. In that time, yeah. it's like we've already, you know, we've, we've, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many shows, but it's been some shows now <laughs> and some good shows. And, um, and, so the production thing is like pretty new in terms of like figuring out our collab collaborative process, but we've both been doing it long enough that it's like it'll be like falling into yeah. You, know. you right. just figure out you just figure out you know like we're using like splice and stuff just to yeah. You, it's so figuring you can work on it and then yeah, it's it's, and then it's I the can... usual problems that every producer has of like you know getting what, together and well, yeah. Well, it's it's figuring out like okay, so what's the pool of plugins and what mm, do we want to use? Yeah. As our, you know how much stuff do you mm. freeze versus print and you know the yeah. usual just dumb kind of not terribly sexy but super important audio stuff but i mean now we're kind of getting to the point where like the songs like what you're hearing i think is the is the the baby the nucleus of like what'll be album tracks like that's cool right. there's stuff where like okay so this this and this but you'll hear like obviously a totally polished melody on top and you'll hear an arrangement that has everything in full yeah. like some of it is we're kind of we're a little bit we we, we have a little bit of a of a we've been shell-shocked into thinking like DJs. So like you guys said, mm -hmm. intensity, intensity, because mm -hmm. we're from a crew of DJs. And that's what you guys So right. we're the light, we're, right. we're one of only two acts in that crew. So we kind of, in order to make our, make ourselves less obtrusive, we kind of try to go out there swinging for the fences, mm -hmm. which is a live act. Sometimes, I mean, fortunately we both like dance, dance music. So yeah. as much as it's fun, we like to noodle and we want to do that. We definitely have some stuff on deck in the future that'll be more like, Right, Party we want to like and, exactly and take our time. Yeah, because yeah. we love like From we a love different BPM. Yeah, we yeah. love yeah. Just move it up Dub and down. techno, and we love slower cool. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just Bury it's it just up. that right now the pocket we fell into is like exactly yeah. we were kind of at this place melodically and rhythmically where it's like this was our sound and this is our workflow. Nice, and it kind of lent itself because we had to figure out all the technical as well as all the stylistic stuff. Yeah. Now it's like taking more time to write just makes it easier. Nice. So yeah, so that's definitely- I'm dying to get the touche pedal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has, she's like, the <laughs> one of the two of us that we have to, like, we have to reel in because she, she would add gear. She would look like Craze up there with his yard sale. <laughs> you know, if like, I can get away it with it. It literally looks like a yard sale. It looks like all, I brought all this stuff <laughs> to watch me play. I mean, he's dope at it. Pedal. He's dope at it. So but what's up with the pedal? I want to know. Oh, I, the I might want this. <laughs> the pedal, it's, a, it's called Touche, yeah. and um, I saw it at at uh, Nam last year. Yeah. And I That's always a gear less heaven. Yeah, because it's an expression yeah. pedal. It looks like a it's it looks like Like an organ a, pedal kind of thing? Yeah, like a cross between yes. Yeah, it looks but it's you don't I mean I guess you could use your foot, but it's really nice wood, so maybe you take your shoe off. Oh yeah. But um <laughs> you use your hand and it, you can either use it to tap for percussion nice. or to sustain oh. or to filter, but it has um Four mapping mm -hmm. points, and it kind of rolls, almost like an X Y. Yeah, like, imagine, almost like an X Y. Imagine having a pedal, and when you press down on it, then if you wiggle your foot, it just does oh, whatever. Oh, like that's a little cool. And it kind of morphs gotcha. into the next thing that you have. That's really cool. She could do filters with it. She could do all kinds of crazy wow. stuff. Like we've yeah. been leaving it out just to distill down 
our scheme so that everything is rock solid and mm-hmm. whatever. But it's definitely going to be right. part of the Probably show. Be part of the show. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, <laughs> there's just a lot there. You know, yeah. it's 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 like I have plans for it. I've been building instruments. Yeah, in that's, different, it's, yeah. it's pretty dope. It's so pretty you already dope. have stuff ready ready to go when this like gets added to the. Setup. Yes, yes. It's like yeah. the trying it. It's just it's it. it's bound to happen. Oh no, it's, it's <laughs> happening. We're, we, that's it's, rad. It's, it's it's pretty dope. It's cool. but that's the other thing about this kind of situation is you can do anything. Yeah. So yeah. you kind of have to figure out what's the reasonable. It's hard. The limits. harder thing probably is putting yourself, giving yourself limits. Yeah, the limits and also the reasonable. Like, like one of the things that's very difficult is like there's a lot of great effects. I mean, I, I experienced this with friends that would do stuff live. There's a lot of great effects, and then you you play with them, and they almost always have that point where they go too far. Yeah. And people are really bad about like, okay, cool, I'll build in these limitations. They're like, no, no, I'll just turn the knob halfway. It'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Show you never do that, right? <laughs> so we're right. kind of trying to be really sensitive to the idea that what's our worst case scenario? Like if I totally screw this up, like if I launch the wrong clip or I stop something instead of starting something or I mute something, whatever, mm-hmm. we kind of work backwards from that. So it's kind of like, how do we figure out a way where we can use this to the, maximize its potential, but also not introduce a chaos element that will break yeah. something else? Yeah. And that's the, I mean, she's had the pedal for a while and it's dope. It's not about it not being great. It's about figuring out, okay, so right. how does it, how does it all fit? And, and most importantly, how does it fit in a meaningful way where yeah. she, it doesn't just feel like some, like she comes out and does some weird, like no. place theremin for one Can't song. be a gimmick. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It needs yeah. to be like exactly. integral to the it's thing. And, and I think that, and that's definitely coming. It's just, cool. it's part of the process. That's rad. Um, so I, I wish we could stay and, and talk more. Uh, there is so much more to talk about with you guys, I'm sure, because like the, you guys have to see these guys play. Um, they're just doing so much and, and they're, they're a, they're a unique talent in, in the scene. So if you guys are into electronic music, if you're into techno, I highly suggest checking out Forward. Uh, you guys are playing at Union on November 25th. Yes. That's the LTJ Bookham show. Yes. So everybody needs to go to that show. Well, you guys got to see you on the, the internet social. Yes. Uh, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. We, it's at Forward Live Duo for all social media. And then we also... Excuse me. We also have a website as well. Yeah, okay. forwardliveduo.com. Com. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it aggregates all that other stuff, so you can a little blog on there, and our Insta pops up in there and stuff, so you can kind of catch up with what we're doing. Nice, mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, we're really honored to have you guys. Thank you so much thank for coming. Thank you for and having playing. us. Yeah, it was great. Thank much you. appreciated. Okay, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, this is Jeff Devoe signing off, and Jeff Tovar. We'll see you the next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Connect with Chromacast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and MixCloud.